This is Jezology. It's a real science, honestly. Not just a podcast of me talking about me. Or, or maybe it is. It's Jezology. Hello and welcome to the Jezology Podcast. My name is Jeremy Johnson. As I'm sure you already know, what a crazy year it has been. Just when you think the pandemic's over, it raises its ugly head again. Anyway, gives us lots to talk about on this podcast, so it's all good. Either way, I'm recording this in early 2022 and the future looks bright. So hopefully we can have a year of being pretty much back to normal with regards to music, fingers crossed. In this week's episode, we are joined by the wonderful Mr. KT Wild. KT and I met in 2021 after being put in touch by a mutual friend of ours called Luke, who runs a music app called GigAppy, so big shout out to him. KT and I managed to meet up in Bristol not that long ago, and we had a wonderful chat covering topics like self-belief as a musician, van life as a musician and songwriting amongst many other things so i really hope you enjoy this podcast without further ado here's the chat katie well welcome to the jazzology podcast how are you my friend thank you very much for having me i am very very well happy to be out of the rain to be honest yeah we are here at the arnolfini art center in bristol where you have a show tonight you're playing at the playing at the fleece well-known acoustic well not just acoustic but well-known venue venue, proper venue so you go on stage i'm going to be there thanks for coming you're welcome um won't be the only one of course i'm sure you'll have plenty of people from all around bristol coming to the gig and if anybody is in bristol next time katie wilde is playing bristol do come all over social media (laughs) i'm plugging you already thank you um so yeah we're we're currently inside the arnolfini center because the plan was to do some podcasting outside in the sun overlooking the beautiful center of bristol but of course it's typically november in the uk raining windy so we've decided to come up here into the reading room of the arnolfini center here um anyway less about that more about you um if uh, what i'd like to do is start with a little bit of background for the musician um your story going into music how you started out and uh, so sort of set the scene a little bit so if you wouldn't mind giving us a little bit of that that would be great sure well my music musical journey should i say has come in uh a few different life cycles I think like a lot of musicians, when you're younger and you're little, this is all you want to do. Um, at that time for me, it was heavy metal bands. It was a lot of um, Lamb of God and Pantera. Um, I, quickly <laughs> I was moved... always slightly more on the punky side, but yeah. I totally, I'm totally with you. We <laughs> all have that phase. Yeah, I went, definitely went through that phase big time. I've got some very embarrassing pictures at home somewhere under a bed of me with long hair and braces. And... Oh, I, I feel like we should maybe like flash something up on the screen at this point. And... I, honestly, <laughs> it doesn't exist digitally. It's a physical photo that's yeah. somewhere at home, and um, I would like to keep it that way because it's so embarrassing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but maybe one yeah. day when you're enormous, maybe one day. Yeah, one day then I'll use it. Yeah, yeah. Graham Norton can have it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That'd be nice. <laughs> that's the goal. <laughs> um, yeah, so I went through that phase, obviously, or like a lot of us do, and then um, went to university for music technology because I was scared of doing um, a performing degree. Um, not scared enough to not do music altogether. Like, I knew I was going to do music, but picked what I thought was the safer option, yeah. which in hindsight was was wrong because it's not actually what I wanted to do. Yeah. So the safe option is to do what you want to do and, not, and actually 
do it properly and yeah, focus totally. on it. So trying to do this half and half thing never worked for me. So when I left university, sort of displeased and unhappy with, I just felt like I had a directionless when I came out of uni. Yeah. Um, so I got a job working as a car salesman for a bit. And then I came to Bristol and I was an estate agent and that went terribly. Um, so I ended up going to um, London off the back of meeting someone in Bristol actually who got me my first sound engineering tour. I came off that tour, got instantly booked on another tour and after that tour, um, as a techie, one was sound, one was video, then I thought, well, I've got nowhere to go now because I no longer lived in Bristol, I no longer lived in Lincoln, I, no longer, I just was like this floater, I needed to make a decision, so I decided to go to London, and that was probably the best decision of my musical life because it gave me proper focus. Yeah. Um, I knew, at that point, I knew I wanted to be a songwriter, but I had this little portfolio of sound engineering work or entertainment work, so... Although I was working, I was working in a warehouse for a company called Autograph, which do pretty much most of the West End sound engineer work. And that could have been like sat in a warehouse terminating XLR cables, just like hundreds yeah. of them. <laughs> or putting heat shrink on things, labeling Soldering. stuff. Just like all <laughs> day. Yeah, yeah. Or it could be like a, a truck comes in from a show and you've got yeah. to unload all of the yeah. um, flight cases. Um, yeah. But I absolutely loved it. Yeah. It was such a sense of commun community. And yeah. after doing all those jobs that were just not right, yeah. uh, I'm not built to be a salesman. Yeah. And it was the first time I felt like, okay, this is, this is right. Yeah. Um, and it sort of funded me enough to stay in London. It was yeah. it's pretty tight, but I meant I could spend all my evenings doing open mic nights. Yeah. I didn't really have any friends in London, so I would go to like four or five a week. I would just hammer yeah. open mic nights. Yeah. And if there's any musicians listening, if you're in a new place and you need to make some friends, go sing an open mic night yeah. because you will talk to another musician. Yeah. You will talk to the bar staff. Someone will come and buy you a drink. Yeah. But I made. I went from no friends and no social life and being yeah. a bit lonely to having yeah. a really great network. Yeah. Yeah. Plus the job, I loved it. Um, then I got hired by a cinema company, um, which sort of stepped up my day job, but yeah. my music took a knock because I was busier. Right. Um, but through working at this outdoor cinema company, I met my managers who have, I think now, the balance is totally gone the other way. Yeah. I'm now really lucky and I can do full-time music. Um, and I've got these managers, Keith and JJ, wonderful help, you know. Uh, they help in many ways, but a lot of the help is just knowing that there's someone there pushing it. Yeah. Means it gives you the drive to to do it, but like, but I'm sure you know and we all know that yeah. putting music out and putting videos on the internet, they don't get many views. Sometimes it's just soul destroying. Yeah. Because a vlog could take me like an entire day to edit, and then all the days of filming it, and yeah. I'm slow at it, I'm not a video yeah. editor. Yeah. And then it gets like 50 views, and yeah. it just cr is crushing. But to have them behind. There, yeah. There's a really interesting concept there, I think, and it's something that I've been more and more aware of as I've been moving through my personal musical journey, is the value in consistency. Yeah. And I think the one thing that, and you mentioned it just there, is that sometimes as a musician, I think when you're producing a, con a product and producing content, and it doesn't get the response that perhaps you, you think it should or that your expectation is for the time you've spent doing it, 
the temptation is to think, oh, well, nobody wants to hear what I have to say. Nobody wants to listen to what I have to do. And um, I, I always sort of think of this analogy of if you were working for a company, right? The, the reason why, if you're working for Apple or Amazon or whoever, or McDonald's or whatever company you're working for, the reason why you progress is because they force you to come into work every day. Yeah. It's not because yeah. you suddenly do something amazing and your career progresses. Yeah. It's just the consistency of being in work every day and yeah. doing the product and, and, and spending the time on it and slowly your experience grows. And yet as musicians, for some reason, we, we have a disconnect there and we're 100%. like, oh, I have to do one thing that makes my music yeah. career. You put all and this effort I, into yeah. a single. Exactly. And yeah. then you release it and it doesn't happen and six months that goes by until you do the next yeah. project. Yeah, yeah. I think we like the, the the drive some people have that just built in yeah and they have the utmost confidence that it's going to work and they and they'll just do it i have i think most musicians are in the same boat where i really struggle with self-belief yeah. that it's going to work and then you you end up finding some solace and some day job or some yeah. something to help your mind and then you yeah. go oh that doesn't work and then you come back and yeah. it's this back and forth but even if but then the, the day job is tangible because you see progress yeah, in it and yeah. you don't see progress it's in not just you and yet it's because you're not spending enough time and exactly. it's, it's this very odd thing it's a balance sometimes just sure. posting and saying you're going to do something yeah like um a few years ago oh many years ago now yeah. i said a few like it was i ran manchester marathon yeah um i'm very far away from that point yeah. right now yeah but i told everyone i was going to do it and i told my mum, and you booked the ticket so you know there's a date where you have to be yeah. at that fitness yeah. level and yeah, everyone yeah. knew about it. I posted about it on my personal account and, and I did it. If it was just me and there was no ticket and I hadn't told anyone, I wouldn't have done it. Yeah, so sometimes just saying to your audience, yeah. I'm gonna post a video every week yeah. and then to not do it puts that same sort of guilt or shame. Not, yeah, that, yeah. not that guilt or shame should be the driver, but yeah. it sort of is sometimes. Yeah. It puts that like, oh, I told everyone I'm gonna do it. Yeah, totally. Um, Bit of accountability, I guess. I can't exactly. That's exactly where I was just sitting here going, "What's the What's word?" The word? Yeah. <laughs> but I, I listened to a podcast actually yesterday, which was saying that um, one of the best ways to be productive is to set up. I mean, even if it's arbitrary, set up people in your life who are, uh, you're accountable to for certain tasks. Yeah. So you say to your, let's say, it doesn't have to be someone paid necessarily, but let's say you say, "My sister is going to hold me accountable for producing." social media content. My yeah. mum is going to produce, uh, it's going to hold me accountable for producing um, five songs every week, which yeah. I'm going to write. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to hit those targets, but having somebody who you know is keeping an eye on you for that thing, actually as a musician, particularly an independent musician, yeah. more of an entrepreneurial journey type musician, really helps. It's so I, it, I, you mentioned it a couple of times, but I think it's one of the key things. For yeah, sure. it's massive. And seeing other musicians do it. Yeah. Seeing other people being consistent can either do two things. It can either make you go, oh God, I can't do that, and step you back <laughs> even further, or it'll make you go, oh. That's what I need to be doing. <laughs> Jeremy's been posting a lot this week, and I've not posted at all. I need to step up my game a yeah. little bit. So sometimes that, that comes yeah. out to play a little bit. But I've, speaking of that, I've actually found... Um, following you recently because obviously we were introduced fairly recently yeah. um, for a couple of reasons which I'll get on to later in the podcast but um, I found you very inspiring because you are one of these people who um, I think out of all the musicians I know really do post content consistently and you've always got something interesting going on and, and this is like been in the last couple of months that I've been following you yeah. <laughs> but um, it's, it's inspiring for me and, and it's funny because perhaps as musicians we don't get told that enough yeah. That our the work we're doing, even if it's not getting going crazy and going viral on the internet, that it yeah. is actually having an impact in people's lives. And yeah. 
I think we need to tell each other a bit more. No, it's, maybe. it's really <laughs> nice to hear because like, obviously you get like a comment. My mum will always be like, yeah. "My son," yeah, and my girlfriend will go, "I like yeah. that one." Yeah. Um, but to hear it from another musician, almost, yeah. it's not more valuable in the grand scheme of things. It shouldn't yeah. be, yeah. but it feels like it is yeah. because I think you, we kind of get the 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 struggle of the internal struggle of doing those things because on the surface you think how much work is it to do a vlog mm. how much work is it to edit and we can all get our head around that mm. but the the sort of mental toll it takes yeah. to do something and it not have much impact yeah. it, it almost hurts yeah. but I think it's the setting expectations of what do you want from that yeah. from what you're putting songs out for why are you yeah. making vlogs yeah. and to have a, a long term goal is half of half of yeah. that yeah. I think that eventually lots yeah. of people see it and they yeah. like my songs I've got a lot of faith in my songwriting yeah. but just to, to take it back a bit more localised yeah, yeah. to um, keep it to your community of musician friends and just like oh I love that yeah. Jeremy liked that song yeah, yeah. That, that does actually mean when you shared my EP that actually generally oh, made my day amazing. that's really really <laughs> so thank you but I, that's the thing right and um, I, I didn't. I, I saw this um, uh, TED talk many years ago, actually, when I was quite young, and it's resonated with me ever since. And it's, it was called Lollipop Moments, and it was a story that a guy told about when he was a uh, student representative at university, and he he basically on freshers week he would walk around and like in, you know say hello to all the students, and he'd walk around with a bag of lollies, and um, he went up to this one queue with this with these people and um, was handing out lollies and he walked past this girl and then turned around and um, uh, sorry, walked past a guy turned around the queue these you know, 17, 18 year old mm. students just coming to university, turned around gave the guy a lollipop and said you need to give that lollipop to the girl behind you and which he did and um, a, few, a few years later, maybe like seven or eight years later, everyone's left university and he gets an email from this girl and bearing in mind this guy has given out hundreds of lollipops, probably all throughout Freshers' Week and all throughout the representation of students throughout his whole career at university. Mm. Um, he gets an email from this woman um, who uh, starts off saying, you don't know who I am, but you basically have changed my life. And um, it's making me a little bit emotional because mm. of the impact it still yeah. has, but it's resonating with me. But basically, um, she said, when I, when I was in that queue at university, I was really considering turning around and going home. I was on the verge of turning around and going home. And... Um, just you coming up to me and, and giving me the lollipop and welcoming me to university made me realise it's where I want to be with my life. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, um, I'm marrying the guy who gave, uh, gave me the lollipop, oh. right? And <laughs> this, this story's like mind-blowing. And the most amazing thing about it is that the guy who gave the lollipop, who was doing the TED Talk, mm. said, I don't even remember doing that. Yeah. And yet his impact yeah. completely changed the lives of two people. Yeah. And I think this is one thing that as musicians we can't forget about the content we produce and the music we produce and the, the presence we have because in certain people's lives, they may not tell us. Yeah. And, and it's, it's broader than music, actually. It's, it's more of kind of a life thing, but people may not tell us the impact we're having, but it's really important that you understand that you have that power. Yeah. And I think... Um, do yeah, you struggle to remember that sometimes when you're putting music out or you're... I do because you can... I think from a personal perspective, you can get lost in the egotistical side of, yeah. of, of producing music and being a musician and being a public-facing person. Yeah. And you can say that, especially in this world where we, we're kind of on a kind of global comparison scale where I can, I can go online and find 100 
36 year olds who are doing better as singer songwriters than me yeah. if I really look for them mm-hmm. and that can be a very hard thing to rationalize mm-hmm. um, but I also have a couple of moments in my music career where I've had these sort of lollipop moments where people have told me yeah. the impact I've had and whenever I'm getting super down on myself or like super critical and negative I think yeah. I, those are the ones I always go back to yeah that's a good that's a good tip because <laughs> keeping a positive mindset about it yeah is the hardest part the physical like writing music or playing shows is a third mm. of the struggle I don't like mm. that word the, mm. the struggling musician mm. but the difficulty is the, the mental side of it massively yeah. for me because you become complacent because I have a few um, people who follow me that are really like always comment and they're really lovely mm. but you quickly put up like a, a guard to that because yeah. you're like where are the new people there's new yeah, people yeah, yeah. and that's so destructive and yeah. stupid because yeah. like you say you're having an impact it's yeah. really hard to remember yeah. that it is yeah. because I struggle I, I don't know if you're the same but I struggle with um, it all being about me all the time. Yeah. Because as much as it may look like it from social media, because yeah. you're, you're a, like you say, a public-facing person, you're, yeah. you are the product. Uh, I'm not that much of an egotist. Yeah. And knowing that it makes an impact yeah. will like keep me going for a couple yeah. of days. Yeah. But having the, the mental fortitude and the, the sort of ability to stop yeah. when you're getting when you're spiraling yeah. down a bit and yeah. go oh actually yeah. you know it, it, this woman said this song really made her yeah. day or yeah, yeah. She, you know related to it whatever it may be um, you're totally right yeah. it makes a huge huge difference I, I think as well the, the conclusion of that particular TED talk about lollipop moments was it wasn't um, remember what impact you have the conclusion was tell other people the impact they're having so we all know that it would be wonderful if people told us every time we have an impact in their lives but reality is they don't but we can make that change within ourselves so what I've started doing more recently which I think has really helped the more kind of negative spirally element of being a musician and a creative is to make it less about me and support my fellow musicians, particularly people that I really believe in. Yeah. Tell them they're doing great work, share their EPs, you know, be that person who can support and more take a kind of service approach to your career. Yeah. I mean, not don't diminish everything you're doing, still work super hard on new, new tracks and producing content, but build an element of service into your workflow. I love that. And it really, honestly, like it seems super cliche, and I, when I first thought about doing it, when I first heard other people, other leaders yeah. saying, build a service mentality into your work, yeah. I, th- I thought, well, fine, but is that actually going to have a tangible benefit to me? And yeah. what I realised is that I was still coming at it from an egotistical perspective. Yeah. Once you say, actually, it's not about driving more views or, or getting more shows or, or doing more for my career, it's yeah. just about my mental health, yeah. about saying I'm part of this system, I'm part of this community, I'm part of this load of people who want to create something and, and leave a little legacy on the earth and help other people go about their life more mm. somehow it all starts to smell a bit rosier and be a bit easier and I absolutely love this idea Good. I'm glad I, 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 have, I now half feel like this is a therapy session <laughs> not just a podcast well I'm only, I, I'm only saying it because there's so many amazing people who I've been inspired by who, who get, this is nothing new from me this is me just regurgitating what yeah, I've heard yeah, other people yeah, say yeah, yeah. but I think it's one of those things that 
we need to share these ideas and we need to inspire each other. And, and it's not just music as well, you're right. No, it's, it's life. It now, really now, I'm, now I'm quiet just thinking about who, all these people that have impacts that, don't know, that they might not know or people yeah. I now just want to go and send a message. Totally, yeah. <laughs> and and this, is, this is the thing, is like, there's nothing wrong with every week saying one of my objectives is just to send three messages to people who have had an impact in my life who don't know it. You know, who I've never told. And there's so many, when you think about actually, okay, I'm sure we can probably compile a list of the five most impactful people who've ever been mm. in our lives, right? How many of those people know that? It's a very, very good point. So, I mean, I mean this is sort of straying know, away from music slightly. Yeah, no, but. Uh, I, I, I have a sort of now sat here and I almost feel guilty. <laughs> I now kind of feel bad. <laughs> but the thing is, I, but the, I think the thing is that I, I've been in that position where when, when I first started hearing about this sort of more kind of perhaps ethereal way to go about your life and career, I was, I was sitting there going, Christ, like, why, why haven't I done this before? And why haven't I been, why wasn't that a natural thing for me? And we all have to hear it and go, yeah, perhaps that would work for my life and perhaps that would be meaningful for... And it, imagine if we all did it. You know, yeah, the then you get then you get the validation place. you need, or yeah. you get the validation <laughs> yeah, yeah. you need as musicians. But everyone, so. everyone would. Yeah. Anyway, let's let's keep it a bit lighter. Well, let's talk I'm about. Just yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> go, we're just going to just finish it. Um, let's talk about living in a van, okay. because um, many people who follow my channel and follow my content will know that I have. I've teamed up my music career, which is a very new thing for me. In the last three years or so, I've been doing it full time. Um, I teamed it up with Living in a Van because Living in a Van for me was a way to solve the financial crunch of doing something which starts out very badly paid and continues <laughs> to be very badly paid for most musicians. Um, but there aren't that many musicians that I know who, I mean, we actually have very similar lives. You're slightly newer to the van life thing yeah. than me, but we both, we both use the van as a, a tool to support a lifestyle that we enjoy. Yeah. We both produce music. We both produce um, external content, vlogs, and YouTube, and all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, let's talk a little bit about that. What, what drew you to the van thing? Like, what was the... How did you end up um, going down that road? I think my when I started paying attention to van life and mm. uh, that sort of stuff online was actually when I lived here in <laughs> Bristol yeah. or near Bristol because um, I was unhappy, I was deeply unhappy in my life and um, I was looking for something, you know everyone has that, it doesn't matter what it is, it might be a new hobby or something but at that point I was an estate agent mm. and I was looking for a way out, I guess mm. I didn't know it at the time but I would just watch all I did was watch videos on van life and, mm. and then um, I bought books on it and I just was very obsessive. Yeah. I get obsessive with new hobbies and yeah. ideas. And then it sort of left my mind for a while and it mm. disappeared and I thought, that's a cool thing, I'll probably never do it. Yeah. Uh, and then COVID happened, uh, lockdowns happened, I had to leave London because I lost my job mm. and it sort of became oh, I think this might be the time to do this. Yeah. And it was also around about the time where it was, I should really be focusing on music full-time. I shouldn't mm. take this uh, loss of a job as, uh-oh, I need to go find a thing and become a car salesman again. Mm. Uh, it needs to be, see it as an opportunity, and how can I make this work full-time? Mm. 
so I built the van in lockdown. Also, just to keep you sane. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, it kept me busy. I'm sure it was a good project, actually, over lockdown. It was great. I love that I feel like I've got some good handyman skills now. And I'm, I love that I now own some tools. I loved building my <laughs> van as well. I think possibly one of the more pleasurable parts of the whole van life experience is build. building that van. Partly because of the excitement of it. You're mm. like, you know, at some point soon I'm going to be able to use this as a, as a tool to... It's all the new skills and it's all that you're yeah. building the dream. Yeah. Because it's such a weird thing to do yeah. still. Um, that you're it's still that trepidation of what's it actually gonna be like yeah. and you're half imagining you're sat on a little bench you've made or you're yeah, sat in the yeah, bed yeah, and yeah. You go, what's it gonna be like? Yeah. I, I miss the, the memories I'm yeah, yeah. Make, I yeah. miss the build to be honest. Yeah. I made my curtains in a B and Q car park. The other day. Quite, I've gone for so that long. Sounds like an album, that album title. <laughs> yeah. I made my curtains in the beach. <laughs> I went so long, I went for a couple of months with no curtains. Ah, uh, yeah. And you know, when the light's on and it's dark yeah. outside, I, I was always like scared. Some, anyway, so yeah. I, I did it in a car park and I had a great time. Yeah. Just like screwing on a little curtain rail and I do miss yeah. the build. Anyway, sorry, tangent. Um, uh, so to begin with, it just meant I'd go out in the van and, and find yeah. my feet yeah. in it. And it's pretty recently that now I've found my feet and I've done it enough, I know what works and what doesn't, mm. um, I can really start to focus on using it as a tool, as you say, as a good, as a good way of talking about it, because mm. it, that's exactly what it needs to be. It's mm. a tool to get to gigs, it's a tool to mm. keep the finances down so mm. I can keep doing it. Mm. Um, and I'm nervous about winter, Yeah. but it is, yeah, yeah, it's a tool for music yeah. and to get to shows. Yeah, I think I've, I've mentioned this. We've had a coffee before the podcast, but I mentioned this to you as well. Is that I think that the trick with van life is to ensure that your why is bigger yeah. than the problems created by van life. Because yeah. van life, there's this Instagram element of van life where you go and park on a cliff and it's a sunset. And I've had plenty of those nights, and they're they're beautiful. They're never as good as they look. You know, you're, there's always like initially like the wind's blowing and we're feeling a bit lonely or whatever, but there's a kind of idealised vision of van life. Mm. But the reality is that it's, it's a bit of a slog and it's a bit of a pain sometimes and keeping yourself clean is harder, finding toilets is harder, being ill when you're in a van is a nightmare. But again, kind of, it feels like a bit of a sort of broader concept, but I think if your why is bigger than your problems... 100%. I think I would have given up on it now. Yeah. If there wasn't a reason for yeah. it. Because um, my thoughts on van life are much like that, babies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, most of the time, actually, for me, if truth be told, yeah. as where it's a, this is a therapy session. <laughs> most of the time, I really struggle with it. Yeah. I really struggle with not showering. Yeah. So I end up spending loads of money on... Um, Gym. Which is amazing because you look very clean. So. I, I went to a gym this morning. Okay. Um, so I'll, I will, um, but I'll, I'll put the I'll waste an entire morning driving to yeah. a gym because I just yeah. can't be that not showered for three days in a sure. van boy. Yeah, yeah. It's just not yeah. me. Um, and because I'm trying to do shows and be in towns where the mm. gigs are. Um, you're not in pretty places. Mm. You know, I'm in like just random car parks mm. and places, mm. and. I'm trying my very best to not use that toilet because emptying the loo is just an absolute <laughs> yeah. nightmare. Not actually the process of doing it, yeah. but finding a place to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah the, the, the reality of van life is so far away from the Instagram reality. Yeah. Unless you've got one of those massive Vivario buses and you've got yeah. like a kitchen and a yeah. shower and yeah. an office. Like some of them are yeah. huge. Yeah. That would probably work. Yeah. And maybe it would be different in that. But in medium or transit, yeah. It's really, really hard. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, it's a tool for music, and I'm not one of those people who's going to do it forever. Yeah. Um, I've met some wonderful van life friends, and yeah. I've played some van life festivals this yeah. summer, and they're all great people. The night, one of the benefits is you will meet interesting people because it yeah. takes an interesting person to go and do it. Yeah. Sometimes it takes insane people to go to. <laughs> but you do meet some oddballs. I yeah, have met some oddballs over the years. But I, I love that aspect of yeah, it because sure. it's not just, it's so great for social life yeah. when you do come across them. Yeah. Um, but the majority of it is lonely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm not going to do it forever. Yeah. I know that it's uh, a, um, something I've always wanted to try. Yeah. And I love that I've done the build, and I love that I'm doing it. Yeah. So it sounds like I'm all complaining. I'm very, very proud of the build as yeah. well, and I'm very proud of what I'm doing. Um, but my God, yeah. is it much, much harder yeah. than Instagram makes it look to be? And I think some of it is you spend so much time and money on the build yeah. that you're embarrassed to say that I might have been a bit wrong. Yeah, it's not quite as good as yeah. I thought it was, and no one says that. Yeah, um, but I think a lot of people feel it. Yeah, well, I think there's a lot of there's been a lot of people and I've seen this as well and it's you don't notice it so much because people will go they'll go and do a van build and they'll set up an Instagram and they'll do you know a three month van build and then they'll be on the road for six months but then they'll suddenly stop and it's because they've given up Mm -hmm. and I think the reason is that unless you have an underlying reason why you're doing it and a reason that's going to be again bigger than the problems that you come across with van life you are going to at some point go I'd rather just live in a flat yeah I mean especially if if you're going to gyms every day or every other day for day passes or yeah. whatever, and you're driving a lot, it's a lot of fuel. I'm spending about as much on, yeah. as I would on rent somewhere. Yeah. And you just think, um, I yeah. can live in a house for this. Yeah. yeah. And it's the time, right, as well. But yeah. you, you mentioned it, but this is, this is a really crucial point for anybody who's considering doing what we do, living in a van and using that to support your, your music, is that you have to be very careful because if you live in a flat, and you have to have a, a side hustle, a, a perhaps a part-time job to support your music, and that pays for the flat, but then the flat gives you more time to spend on the music. The danger is that you go, oh, I just live in a van, because then I won't have to pay rent, and I don't have to have my job. The problem then is that all the little things which take three or four times as long take up the time that you'd normally be spending doing your part-time oh, job. So, it. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're not careful, and you don't have a clever system to make sure that van life actually gives you the financial freedom and the time to spend on your music and the discipline to spend that time on your music it just doesn't really make sense and that's why I think a lot of people try it and go oh it didn't work for me or a lot of people end up finding a permanent park up somewhere that I think honestly I think that's kind of a a trick to it is to like I I remember reading an article many years ago about how many Google employees were living on the Google campus yeah, in I've, France. Yeah, and I thought to myself, I, found, you know, I, I thought of that when I was doing a normal job working for a, have a, a corporate company. Yeah. Exactly. Just live in a van <laughs> yeah. in the car park, shower at the office, go to work, and then when you want to go and do something or go and be sociable, you can drive and go and be sociable. So, yeah, there's, there's definitely ways to make it To make it work. Sense. But for most people, I actually, I understand why it's a very small group. Because mm. it, it really doesn't work for many people it's not a waste if you do the build and you do three months on the road and decide you don't like it because the build in itself is a great learning curve they're good skills to have I know we live in digital age and I might sound like an old man but it's great to know to put on the shelf you know (laughs) Uh, so I I don't regret it no Um, but I also won't be too attached when it comes to selling it 
yeah. in a few years' time. Yeah. Um, and I won't or keeping it as a tour bus and going yeah. and having a sort of... Or keep it forever, of... become massive and auction it off yeah. and money for charity. But who knows what, what, will, yeah. what will happen. I'd, I'd buy Ed Sheeran's Yeah, yeah, yeah I'd buy it. Yeah. You know what? Um, Just keep putting it in Rupert Gridball, an ice cream van, didn't he, with his... First... Oh, I'd buy that ice cream van. I remember. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, so whatever happens with it, I'm not going to be mega attached to it. Yeah. Because I've... I've um, I've sort of already got what I want out of it, yeah. and um, yeah, I'm not. I, I'm looking forward to the days yeah. to go back into. A, yeah. I think I'll probably go back to London, to be honest. Um, for music, I just think it makes sense for me. Yeah. Um, Especially if you've, you know, you enjoyed it there. You've got the contact and the network. Best uh, two years of my life. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. And and you have a you have, a, I mean maybe maybe London represents for you more of a kind of. An idealised thing, which is that you you're obviously very passionate about music, and you're you're very good at music. You're you know great songwriter and fan, fan, fantastic Thank singer. And I'm going to see you live tonight. I'm sure it'd be fantastic. <laughs> um, but maybe maybe for you, and I I find it sometimes as well is that I need more than just writing songs and playing music. I need yeah. a, I need variety to really make me motivated. Yeah. And. Um, for a lot of musicians, actually, it's not necessarily about you know working in a bank to pay for being a musician. It's about finding that portfolio of things that you can do with your day. Yeah. Some of which are paid, some of which aren't. Yeah. Which represent the balance, which gives you the contentment and yeah. the drive to do what yeah. you do. And maybe that for you is is having a little bit of audio and tech work, and then a little bit of music, yeah. and sort of a bit of income here and a community. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to go back to London, but. Be a point with songwriting and music that I don't need to do. Well, I, yeah, um, ideally speaking. But yeah. the, the thing about London, and actually van life gives you that as well, is mm. um, I need to live a life that's interesting to mm. find stuff to write about. Yeah. When I was um, estate agenting mm. or Tesla salesing, mm. um, I had quite a boring life. Yeah. And I really, I wrote a lot less than I know I am capable of because, like, what do I write about? And I'm, I really struggle with writing about. Um, I've done it a couple of times as like an exercise, but you know, yeah. some people who can read a book or watch a film and think, I'm going to write a song about that concept or this man's story. Yeah. Um, it's folk, folk songs, I guess. Yeah. Like Travellers or whatever. Yeah. I, I'm, it's not my forte with writing. Yeah. Um, I just have to do something and be like. Yeah. And then digest it as well. I yeah. can't write songs in the moment of them happening. Yeah. Um, it, uh, something terrible will happen or something great will happen, and then three months later, yeah. when it's digested, I sort of accidentally write a song about yeah. it. And one good thing about van life is, even if you are feeling lonely and you're frustrated that, like this morning, here's, here's one that's annoying. I stepped in a dog turd. <laughs> I didn't notice, and then I got in the van, and I'm thinking, oh, is that my grey water? No. I'm like sniffing my water. Tank. Yeah, I've done it. And then your, your entire home smells oh, like turd. God, and yeah. I'm like Dettol wiping it, and everyone, yeah. I'm in the gym car park, and everyone's looking at me funny anyway because there's like <laughs> some weird so boy grim, living isn't in it? Yeah. And all that stuff, like I was mm. just so upset and angry today, mm. and. Um, like, I haven't come to, back to Bristol in a long time since, like, it was a sad reason for me leaving and I've been avoiding the place. Yeah. So I've had a terrible morning with Dog Turd. I've come to a place that is a bit triggering and difficult <laughs> for me. All that stuff in a few months, I'm sure, like, yeah. today will probably be good material. Oh, totally, yeah. And actually, that I think that's... You, you raise a really, really interesting point. I think there's... I'd be interested to know what you feel about... Because, kind of... I think one of the one of the jobs, not necessarily the jobs, but one of the real advantages of being a songwriter and being a creative person is, 
pornography advantages. Uh, how am I going to describe this? <laughs> I think one of the beautiful things about being a creative and being a songwriter is writing songs that people can relate to. Mm. And there's this weird thing where a lot of musicians are aiming towards a lifestyle which takes them out of, just puts them in a different world to most people, right? Yeah. So you take the, and I, I hate to use this as an example because I'm sure, I'm, I know he's a lovely guy, but Ed Sheeran, for example, um, Ed hasn't lived a normal life for a very long time. He's enormously famous, he's enormously rich, he's got all his mates at other famous rich people. Mm. Um, he still writes songs that people gravitate towards, but I, I'm not sure that I really believe that what he's singing about... They're two different skills, aren't they? Commercial yeah. writer, to, to know that... Um, what's that wedding song that he's written? What's the name of that? Uh, Take me lo- into your loving Oh yeah, uh, like, yeah, 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 yeah. I think he probably went into that very specifically. I want to write that first dance love yeah. song. It might. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the guy. Ed. <laughs> but I, I, to me, I hear that as he's purposefully gone for yeah. that yeah. market, or he's gone for a club song, or he's yeah. gone for. And that is a totally different skill which I really admire. Yeah. And I and. I don't listen to it. I listen to the... Because it's probably because I'm in that moment. I'm yeah. in that moment of... I like musicians that write about real things and yeah. and quite raw. And, yeah. But that... Well, like, like the heavy metal phase, yeah. that might just be a phase and yeah. I would love to get to that point where commercial writing becomes... You, yeah. you sort of... This, this um, part of the music... The sort of writing journey yeah. is almost where you flex the muscle. Yeah. You get so good at it that when it comes to that point where you're like, write a song about a club, you can put yourself in yeah. someone else's shoes because I hate clubbing. Yeah. But I would love to have the skill of going, what does it feel like to look at someone across the room and make eye contact and fancy them and yeah. take them home? Yeah. I've never done it. Yeah. It's just not me. Yeah. But it's a skill to put yourself in that. Yeah. Um, I feel like I've gone on a tangent. No, 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 not at all, <laughs> not at all. I mean, it, it, it's an interesting one because I. Maybe I'm biased because it's what I love in musicians, but I've always felt like, and I've, I've sort of tried to rationalise this in my own mind, but I've always felt like if you're not writing songs about stuff that you've experienced, somehow you're a cheat, mm. right? That's, that's been my default for many years. And then I think about it, and I'm like, well, that's not the case for, like, novelists, mm. right? No, so there's novelists out there who write amazing um, uh, fiction, Yep. Right, and so there are writing is definitely whether it's books or journals or songs or poems, you can divide it into fiction and non-fiction. Yeah, and um, I've always felt with songwriting, perhaps because again, this my bias towards what I like, that fiction writers with songs shouldn't be allowed. <laughs> I don't know why. I, don't, I totally I get don't it. Know why it's I like, feel um, like my mum only watches true story movies. Yeah. And as I get older, I'm sort of veering towards that. Like, I yeah. really cannot get behind a Marvel film. Yeah. As much as I appreciate the yeah. effort and it's an amazing piece totally. of content, yeah. it just, like, it bores the life out of me. Yeah. I hope this hasn't ruined any chances of me becoming an expert. It's Marvel or watching. It just, For enough <laughs> money, he'll, yeah, still, he'll I, still write I, I will love Marvel. <laughs> um, but I totally... I, I, I get that. It's like, I'm a, I'm a bit... Um... um lost in how I feel about them because mm. I appreciate the skill mm. I don't do that at the mm. moment 
but I don't listen to it. So maybe, so, and I, I, again, I'm wrestling with this myself, right? So I, I think perhaps one thing that irritates me, and again, this is probably totally unfair, and I'm going to totally shoot myself in the foot because at some point I'm going to have someone on who's who does this. But I think if you, a bit like you, we were talking about Ed before, and again, using Ed's very unfair because I'm sure that he has a vast range of interesting experience in loads of different ways. But if you know that somebody has written a song to go, you know, I want to write a song that represents a first date that. I just want to make the first date song and get everyone really gushed up and lovey. Yeah. But in actual fact, I've been married for <laughs> yeah. 13 years yeah. and I haven't been on a first date since I was 17 and yeah. I have no idea what it's about. Yeah. Now, in that sort of scenario, that kind of feels a bit cheap to me. But if they were writing, say, a, you know, a Dylan-esque... Uh, like Hurricane, for example, Hurricane was, I know Hurricane was based on, based on reality, but again, it was kind of like a fiction. Mm. And Bob Dylan's song about a black boxer who um, faced racism throughout his whole career and um, you know, had trouble with the police because of it. Mm. That feels less cheap to me because it's not something he's experienced, but it's a really interesting storyboard. And it's very specific. For, You're telling yeah. a story that exists. You're not trying to go, how do I get every first date, per date person to like this song? Yeah. You're not trying to just wash across the board of a subject. Yeah. You're telling a story. Yeah. They're kind of different. But I don't know if non-musicians would care or notice. <laughs> I, this, this is, I think that's the crucial thing of, of why it triggers me. Yeah. It's because I don't think anyone cares other than me. Or maybe other songwriters, but it it does seem like something where um, where I'm just getting kind of gruff about something that's totally pointless for me to get gruff about. And at the end of the day, um, there's so much in the music industry which, once you scrape beneath the surface, it's very easy to get triggered by. Yeah. You know, not not least, and this is an interesting thing actually, because I know you mentioned it earlier, but. It'd be interesting from my perspective to talk about the idea of writing songs for other people. Yeah. Right, so I've never done it. If somebody gave me a load of money, I'd probably do it. (laughs) Yeah. And yet, I think from a sort of idealistic perspective, I feel quite against it. I think you should love it. Yeah, but this is the thing I want to be, I want to be, I want someone to say, to like change my mind on it, right? Because it happens all the time. Most yeah. of the big artists have, Co-writing. you know. And it's uh, here's another thing as well. If you write a song for Justin Bieber, that's almost like more justifiable. But if me, you, and six other songwriters co-produce a song for Justin Bieber, there's something about the humanity of that which somehow gets a bit lost. And I yeah. really want somebody who disagrees with me to go, "You're wrong." I, I maybe disagree so long. Okay, good. Okay, um, I know. I but I'm definitely not on the same wavelength of that. Yeah. Um, I think we all are to begin with. Um, but I just really want to write songs. Yeah. And people might disagree, but I think it's the thing in life that yeah. I'm quite good at, and I and I know that's what I want to do, no matter mm. how that's wrapped up. Mm. Ideally, it would be me on stage telling the stories that happen in my life and connecting in in that way. Mm. Um, But I would just as much enjoy writing for someone else or telling another story, like the songs for um, A Christmas Gift from Bob. Yeah. I absolutely love that, Mm. because of course you're going to write the songs that happen to you, 
Yeah. Let's say that's a given. You'll never stop doing that. It doesn't have to replace. Yeah. Um, so there's there's always that. You're always catering for that audience yeah. because you like doing it and you're going to keep doing it. But if you can take that skill that you're proud of yeah. and you think, I'm really good at this, yeah. and someone wants you to tell their story because they like your voice, they, yeah. they believe you are the correct channel to take that story into yeah. a song, yeah. then that is incredibly flattering yeah. and a wonderful challenge and it, and it helps my songwriting for my own st stuff because when there's a pressure on a bit, like I wrote the songs for that film in a weekend like super, super quick mm. because I, they sort of get it to us by Monday, I can't remember what day of the week it was but yeah. it was quick you know yeah. and I loved that pressure, much yeah. like when you're posting stuff and you're not getting anything back like yeah. views wise, having your mum or your manager or your brother or whoever behind you saying where's that video on Friday mm. you little slacker <laughs> it's really helpful it's yeah. the same having someone saying write a song about um, a homeless man mm. feeling lost and mm. like he's no hope mm. um, if you write enough of your own songs you, you become empathetic mm. to everyone and everything and so I, I found it almost therapeutic because I could see myself being homeless. Mm. I, just, I could see yeah. myself being very rich, yeah. but I could also see myself being completely yeah. living in the gutter. Yeah. And that is another therapy yeah. <laughs> session we might yeah, need. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, so I put myself there and it didn't feel insincere mm. because it's for a film, mm. but I wasn't writing about the film, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah. And it, I guess it depends on your approach, because you could just look at the script and go, that's a good line, how can I work that in, and do it really yeah. methodically. Yeah. Um, but I, I honestly think the really great songwriters, there's a bit of that, there's a bit of we need to just churn out something that people will like, yeah. here are the chords. Yeah. But I think you, you still, there is a human, there is an emotional aspect to it, because you have to immerse yourself in that. And yeah. maybe I'm just, maybe I'm an egotist, and I have to put myself in that story. Yeah. But I had to, so what well, I guess what I'm trying to say is is there is a humanity to both if you decide to write that way. Totally. I think there's there's an interesting there's definitely a um a range of different opinions on this type of subject. It sort of reminds me a little bit of when 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 uh, you know for example in, in acting mm. an actor an uh, say a a non-gay actor uh, like Tom Hanks is cast in a in a gay role mm. like in Philadelphia where he contracts HIV and um and there are there's a certain amount of population who will say that needs to be played by a gay man because a gay man is yeah. the only person who can understand. Now, I, I'm not sure I necessarily agree with that, interestingly, in that scenario because I think an actor is an actor, right? Yeah. His job is to pretend to be what he isn't yeah. or she. Um, and yet when it comes to songwriting, I'm a little less like accepting of that it's, it's very weird. This, this is why I need to talk through yeah, it in my yeah, head yeah. because I need, to, I need to find my hypocrisy. If, yeah. um, if a project came to you let's say it's another film mm. about a cat <laughs> <laughs> and they said there's no money involved it's just you have to Christmas with Bob too yeah yeah <laughs> they came to you and not me um, uh, would you do it? well I think I would because I'm a, I'm a total hypocrite <laughs> so, but I, I would do it I think because I've not done it before and I think I think the process the process of having an opinion should be do something, make the mistake, and then have an opinion about it. I think yeah. this, there's a danger when we talk about stuff we really don't know much about, yeah. just from an idealistic perspective. Like, if I did it, and I thought to myself, 
this doesn't feel right. Then I think that valid yeah. opinion that opinion becomes more valid. But but then I think you would make bad songs. Probably, yeah. Not, not you. Just, yeah. This is me being yeah. like, guys, he's terrible. Yeah. If you hate it and you don't, it doesn't feel right, yeah. you d- it would be naff. Like yeah, recently, yeah, totally, yeah. Um, I got asked to write music for a kid's washing up, like a cleaning brand. Yeah. And I tried, I really did. <laughs> <laughs> but they just don't love washing up liquid enough. <laughs> right, yeah. And, and, I, and I just, I couldn't make it work. I've, yeah. I've sent two and I've tried like five. Um, and it just wasn't good. Yeah. And I think then you don't get the job. Yeah. So it's sort of by accident. Yeah. Unless maybe, maybe I'm going to go back on myself now. Maybe some people can just get around that. Yeah. And they're really methodical in what they do. Sure. But I think most of us, if you just really don't click yeah. with it yeah. or don't care, yeah. then it's going to be bad and your music will choose for you yeah. whether you're going to do it. You know what I think might trigger me mm. on this subject? Cat is, it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, goddamn cats. Um, I think what triggers me with this is it's not so much the whole topic of, of writing about a topic that you haven't got personal experience about. I think what it is is... And, and maybe it's a bit of a side side thing, but it's the music industry. I feel is often built upon a, bi- a biased credit system. So if I take Adele's a bad example, Sam Smith is probably a bad example. Um, if I take pick a musician, uh, famous, Ben Howard, bad example. Um, <laughs> let's say I take a Plastic Pops. Oh, Little Mix. Okay. Little Mix are my example here. Little Mix, I feel, because they are a sort of a, a branded sort of entity, as it were, and they have songs written for them, mm-hmm. um, the, the danger is that when their album comes out, even though each song has ten songwriters on, the credit for the songwriting naturally goes to the three girls in Little Mix. And yet they are basically like... They're effectively actors, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're like... They have this this role at the top of the as the flag bearers for this brand, yeah. and I feel like as a songwriter, it triggers me because I know that there are ten great songwriters yeah. who are responsible for the songs that are making the Little Mix money, and yet the brand gets the credit. Now, it shouldn't trigger me because obviously I understand the system, but. Maybe that's the crucial point for me, is that there's not enough... Do you think that's because it's coming from an ego point of view? Yes. Because those guys and totally. girls who are writing those songs, they're getting all the credit where they want it. Yeah. The record labels... Yeah. And they're getting and paid. And the publishers, they're getting yeah. paid. And they're signing the deals. And they get to keep their nice private life. Yeah. They can't... I, I imagine they want to be there. Yeah. It's a cushy, great place to be if you're writing for lots of big acts and you're getting yeah. money, you're getting recognition where you care about it, yeah. but you can still go to Tesco's. And yeah, yeah. I mean, probably Waitrose for yeah. <laughs> You can still live your life and not get hassled. Yeah. Um, so I don't think they'd be triggered by it. Yeah. Um, and I think if I was in that position, I don't think I'd be triggered by it. Mm. Um, and, and actually, think, uh, if you sign into a contract, a deal where you understand that's the system, then cool, whatever. And and that's and I, I also don't want to take away from what someone like Little Mix is 
I think yeah. whether they have a, a writing credit on their songs or not, I don't actually know whether they write bits or they write it or, or not. Um, it's a you huge, might write a word. whatever it is, whatever the percentage is, yeah. it's a huge skill yeah. to be a front person, a boy band or girl yeah. band. Like I couldn't do that. Yeah. Um, and I, I think the, the thing is, is just to sort of appreciate every aspect of music that I don't like or want to do. Yeah. You know, I no longer want to be a heavy metal guitarist. Yeah. But I think they're, ama they're amazing. Yeah. And I but don't want it. Not for yeah, me, yeah. thanks. But nice yeah. one, Chuck. Yeah. Um, and I think if because it definitely used to trigger me. All this stuff used to trigger me before. But I'm, I just love music. Yeah. And no matter where that where it happens for other people or where you sit in that pie, I just want to be part of the pie because I love it all. Mm. I do. I do not want to be a dancer. Yeah. No way. But I love dancers. Or if I had a big show and I was a dancer yeah. part of it, I'd be like, amazing. Yeah. It's so not me, and I don't want to be them. Yeah. But to just love it all. Yeah. Um, this is why it's good for me to talk this through because yeah. I've now thought of another example. It's a bit like me being angry at Apple because the engineers who invent the iPhone don't get their but names Steve on Cook's there. there with his. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. yeah. Or like. Yeah. There's, there's almost like. Which is ridiculous. Right? I mean, why, you, you, you've got to understand that those big systems are big systems, and there's lots of people yeah. who prop up that big system. Um, there's too much. Um, there's not enough time, sorry, in my life. Yeah. To to and to to get upset by those things anymore. Yeah. You just have to. Um, if you want to be a songwriter, just focus on your journey and, and being a songwriter. Because I used to get. This is bad. I'm not like this anymore. But I used to just get like slightly um, annoyed. Yeah. I'm trying really hard not to. There's no kids in this room anymore. I used to get really annoyed um, when friends of mine doing the similar sort of thing would all of a sudden shoot up, and yeah. I wouldn't. I'd be like, yeah. "Why? I'm doing the same stuff." Yeah. Um, but I can't remember who told me, and I'm actually upset that I don't know where I got this from because it was definitely a person in my life, yeah. not not a film or something. And there's enough room. There's enough of every pie yeah. for all of us yeah. to have to get to where we want to in music. Yeah. Just because my mate yeah. is doing better than me right now, yeah. he might. They might become amazing, but there's enough room up there for me. Yeah. You know, we're not. We're not all trying to hog the same lane. Yeah. Think about the amount of sort of white boy singer songwriter pop artists, or the amount of similar rap artists, or the amount of similar jazz bands. Yeah. There's enough room for us yeah. all, and just to like focus on. I want to be a songwriter, how is it going to work for me, yeah. um, has sort of made me just chill out about mm. things like Little Mix writing their songs or whether yeah. they do or don't, I'm like, cool, whatever, mm. because I'd like to be up there, yeah. and uh, there's enough room for me up there, yeah. no matter what they do, it doesn't affect me, yeah. so you kind of... I think that, that jealousy and comparison is a totally natural thing which we all have to go through and get over, mm -hmm. and it goes back a little bit to this idea of, of kind of trying to come... Um, from a certain viewpoint of service as opposed to acquiring, acquirement, that's not a good word. Um, but I, I, I actually heard a very similar thing a few years ago from Steve Martin, the famous comedian, um, who said that he was doing, I think he was doing a master's class or something, one of those master's things you yeah, see on yeah. YouTube. And he said, he just looked dead in the camera and he said, don't worry, there's space for you. Yeah. And I was like, it's a big to thing. Me. That's another one of the, I guess one of those like someone who's had an impact on you. Yeah. I'd quite like to tell the person. I wish I could remember. I feel like an absolute yeah. 
if I not remember it, yeah. but huge impact. Little son, little thing. Like the fact that you remembered that one line to camera yeah. just speaks volumes about how we all probably feel the same yeah. sort of. Ed Sheeran's taken up all of the singer-songwriter space. Yeah. And well, then pops Lewis Capaldi. Yeah. I'm like, okay, there's loads of yeah. Come on, guys. But there's, if, you, if you spend too much time going, well, you know, if you think about the... If you think about the sort of a graphical representation of the music industry, mm. you've got this sort of, like... When it comes to, let's say, a meritocracy of male singer-songwriters mm. of between the ages of 25 and 45 mm. in the UK you've got this pyramid of tons and tons of people down here and then as you improve and get better and have a better thing and a better range of songs and more of a stage show, you, you go up and up and up and you've got a few people at the top. And then you think about the, um, the payout is basically a T. So all the money is up at the top and then you've got this kind of like, yeah. this tube that going now, maybe slightly tapered yeah. going down. Yeah. But it's not, it, it kind of should be, you kind of think to yourself, well, it, it'd be great if it was a pyramid and then less of a T. Yeah. Maybe maybe a slightly... A, big, a wider funnel. Sh- like, you know, wider funnel. And ideal, idealistically speaking, I go to myself, well, if I was Ed and I was earning 250 million quid a year, I'd probably go to myself, I probably only need about two of that. I'm going to give 148 million, 248 million quid to the funnel. But then would I? It's very hard to say until you're in that position. Yeah, exactly. And, and is it fair for me to do that? Because he's there for a reason, yeah, right? Yeah. And you never... This is. It, it starts to stray into the world of Marxism and communism and these kind of like broader concepts of like what's fair in society and yeah. should people be... Should people be paid equally or, or actually is it just unfeasible to have... You know, it's never going to be a meritocracy. It's basically all about perseverance and luck it's, it's, um, <laughs> at the end of the day music is just like anything else it's a money making machine mm. and I absolutely agree it would be so nice if it wasn't so much of a tea and the money was more evenly split and it wasn't so so difficult mm. to, to live a life to, to be a full time musician at, at the lower point but I also fully understand that me wishing it isn't going to change it and I don't know how to make that change and there's so much work and stress and stuff that's involved with being a musician and keeping a flow yeah. that I try not to think about it yeah. to just like leave, let that be because then like, otherwise everything's going to get me down yeah. I'm going to start thinking about climate change yeah. and, and like you do what you can like and I'd like to think that if I was earning 200 billion a year I would give some back yeah. I really think I would. I'd love to have the problem of this being quoted when I do. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, why aren't you giving enough? Right. So, or somebody would get when you don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> when you're sitting yeah. on your 200 million quid and you're like, actually, I've changed my mind. So, mate, somebody goes, do you remember Jazzology yeah. podcast about <laughs> 10 years ago? <laughs> so, uh, like all of these things, you do what you can with whatever it is that upsets you or that you care about. Um, but I can't get bogged down in it. I struggle enough with the daily life of keeping my brain functioning just with van life and music yeah and that might sound really selfish but i really admire people who have the mental capacity to keep their life going to keep happy and to keep motivated and pushing forward and also care for a much wider circle at this current point in my life i'm struggling to keep myself afloat Mm. and i just can't 
I don't have the capacity mm. to to worry too much about that sort of thing. I don't know if that comes across as really selfish. No, not at all. I think that's it's, it's basically the opposite, I think, of... Because um, if you get wrapped up too much in in sort of the asset growth side of life, that's also becomes, starts to sound very selfish. Mm. But I think ultimately it comes down to gratitude, doesn't it? Is that no matter what stage you're in in life, if you have enough gratitude, you'll have a wonderful life. It doesn't matter how much money you earn. But I think... The interesting thing is that from a scientific perspective, many studies have been done to suggest that there is a certain amount of money in a certain society yeah. after which happiness has nothing to do with how much yeah. you earn. Yeah. And if everybody was on that amount of money... And it's a relatively small amount, isn't it's, it? It's not it's like 100k, like, it's like 35. It's, yeah, it's something like yeah. 35k. Now, I think most musicians, because of the way that we're sort of like... Um, we're sort of used to a sort of lower paid existence probably don't need quite as much as that but I think if you said if there was some sort of system which said let's I mean living wage um, system is an example of that it's an interesting example where you say let's pay everybody 10 grand a year and then anything else is a bonus Um, it's an interesting concept I'm obviously where would the money come from for so many reasons but um, I don't know. Like I don't know how I feel about it because I feel like I've, you need the motivation to progress, but then but then there's, there's just also, there's a survival aspect of it, which isn't yeah. which a lot of people don't have in their career. Um, when I was selling cars, like this, the basic survival mm. is dealt with, mm. so you can focus on like mm. getting your spiel right for autopilot. Or what yeah. the heck, do you know what I mean? Um, but it's it's all it's kind of not that much about money, but the social pressure of having no money and where that puts you in. In society, like when I was working in London, and I was treated very differently when I had a normal job and I can converse on a normal level. Mm. Sometimes when you are rocking in and out of a van from places, you get looked down on. Mm. When you tell people what you're doing, they just think, "Ugh, you don't fit." <laughs> yeah. And um, not having enough money to, to to do the things or to keep up with your friends, it, mm. especially when you're, it's, it wasn't so bad when you're like 18, 19, and everyone's just getting started. Sure. And actually sometimes singing weddings yeah. pays just as much as my mate who works in yeah. Starbucks or whatever. Yeah. Um, but now everyone's getting, you yeah. know, the friends who are accountants are now qualified. The f- yeah. Everyone's getting proper money and proper yeah. jobs and buying houses and having kids. And the, the social pressure of that, yeah. I think is more of a, um, negative punch than the actual financial situation because you feel like you need more everything is 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 money I you can't I used to think that it was just a London thing you can't leave the house without spending money just getting on the tube whatever it's just like even van life you think it's the cheapest thing ever but I can't leave I can't go and do something in a day without paying for parking paying to use a toilet or a shower Mm. everything is money Mm. Um, and people do really look down on you mm. they either get it like if, you, if, if you're in the right town Bristol's mm. quite nice and mm. liberal and, and accepting generally mm. Um, mm. so I feel pretty good here Cornwall felt great there mm. but there are places where I don't you don't feel good yeah. about it yeah. like I parked in um, a couple of posh places in London I almost don't want to say because they're like parking places in London for van life are kind yeah. of like gold dust. Yeah. But I was in. I've got my place and it's a really, really posh place. Yeah, yeah. The same yeah it place. probably is. <laughs> we'll discuss after. Yeah. But I don't want to give it away. <laughs> yeah. Um, I felt like a piece of 
I felt like that dog turd I stood on this, yeah. this morning. Yeah. I felt awful. Yeah. And you kind of hide it. And I haven't done that since, um, like when I was, when I was in a state agent, I used to lie. Yeah. People said, what do you do? I didn't yeah. tell them because yeah. I was embarrassed. Um, not that there's anything wrong with it, it just didn't fit me and I felt embarrassed. And when I used to sing weddings when I was a lot younger, I used to lie. Mm. When I was doing a music degree, I used to lie and say mm. I was doing something else. I'd say I was doing like, mm. uh, like just a tech degree, electronics degree mm. or something. Mm. Because uh, there's an awful lot of pressure and there's an awful lot of negativity mm. towards it. Mm. Unless you come from a place and you're surrounded by people who aren't. Yeah. And the life I had in Lincoln, not that I had, I didn't have particularly have like haters and people like, you can't do it. Yeah. It was just the kind of silly boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and that is almost just as damaging. Yeah. And, you, and it puts you down. Yeah. And it's also, we, we, we mentioned this a little earlier as well when we were off mic, but um, there's this definitely this point at which you get past as a, as a struggling musician. Age-wise, and I think it, you're, you're, what you're talking about is, is the reason for this: is the social pressure to a certain degree, where you you hit your say late twenties, early thirties, and the social pressure, having not made it financially, starts to be the thing that pushes you away from music, and it, mm. it kind of limits the talent pool, it limits the creative pool that everybody in society benefits from, mm. and. Again, the danger is that we start talking about politics and going into the whole kind of like idealistic sort of how do you set up society system. But if there were a way to meet the basic needs of people and to have a system where people aren't judged so much for their choice to be part of a creative enterprise that benefits the, the fabric of society that doesn't earn a lot of money, or whether you're a nurse, or whether you're a teacher, or whatever, we're not being judged for earning less. Yeah. It could create a system where you have a lot more beautiful art and beautiful substance to the society. Yeah. The danger is the, the extreme of that, of course, is that everyone's super cold and uncultured, but has a lot of money in the bank. Yeah. So no, but I think we're not going to solve that here. <laughs> no, I think we will. Batten down the hatches. Yeah, money is the the thing that slows it down for me, for sure, and all of us. Let's talk quickly about. Um, you mentioned it before, but uh, you were involved in a film um, called A Christmas with Bob. A Christmas gift from Bob. A Christmas gift from Bob. It is a uh, sequel to um, a street cat named Bob. Right. Which. Uh, is a film, a true story, yeah. or based on a true story, um, of a homeless man and how this cat basically saved his life. Okay. Um, it's quite a heartwarming story, and I think it's very London. Yeah. It's a very like um, adored yeah. um, story in London. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's adored all around the world. It's yeah. kind of um, the first film, despite being quite a low-budget indie small film. Um, how did some royals attend the premiere and wow. like it it really struck a nerve of a lot of people yeah. um, which is great I'm yeah. chuffed absolutely chuffed and to be able to how did you because you said it, you felt like that was a, a real step forward for you but how did you what was the process of getting that gig like how did you end up getting selected I suppose to write the songs <laughs> so my manager um, knew someone involved with the film it's who you know. It's who you know. Yeah. Um, and 
they kind of gave me a chance, you know, so they sent yeah. me over a script and I'm like, sure, give it a go. So it wasn't, yeah, you can do it, we like your music, it was, here's the script, what can you do? Yeah. And that's why it was so quick, because like, the conversation happened and you're lucky to be able to have that conversation. And then you're like, right, yeah. let's, see, let's see what we can do. Yeah. And then there are certain points in the script where we're like, this would make a good placement for a song yeah so there's a little that um, scene there's a story there that i can write about or so i read the script and he read the script and we came back to each other and we're like i think this is the spot we should write about this and i kind of we chose our touch points yeah and then i just wrote songs and yeah. got lucky i think and i think the um well they, 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 if they've been rubbish they wouldn't have chosen them presumably yeah, so true. i mean and it feels i feel like a little bit um that sort of um working way up through the ranks music mm. thing and like I'm, I, I've hammered all the little pub gigs and open mics and, I, and I'm not like a big name mm. and it feels almost, I almost feel like I'm cheating when I say I'm a manager new someone mm. but the journey to get to that point where I met that when I've got these managers like, um, I almost like telling that, the back of my brain's going but but it wasn't just it wasn't just because he, he knew someone like it's a long journey yeah. to get to that point yeah, totally. um, yeah. so I, I feel really really blessed and lucky yeah. that that happened yeah. Um, but yeah it's through his um, connection um, and you've just released uh, an acoustic EP yes which is it's called uh, October Songs yeah. and like we said about the van being a tour yeah. I'm obviously using it to try and travel around and tour and play as many shows in yeah. different towns as I can but I want to record an EP every month from the songs I write in that month wow okay um, so October Songs is the first yeah um I've already started writing November songs because okay. I, I have to because yeah. it's so quick. Yeah. Um, and that's a lot of work, actually. To, I mean, I, you know, you have to be happy with, I guess, one take performances to get them recorded. Yeah, it? which is a, a weird like uh, it's a weird thing to get over in your yeah. head because I could I could be there all day doing one song, yeah. trying to get it just right, and I, I'm learning to just step back yeah. and let it be what it is yeah. because otherwise I would do that thing where. I'd spend six months working on a single because yeah. I don't have the resources to go to a studio and just smash them out. Yeah. Um, and then you release one thing, you spend all this money and time on the promo of it, and then it gets like a thousand plays, and you're okay, what's next? Yeah. And you can't, you can't rely on that single for six months. Yeah. So I just think it's boring. Sure. Um, so so it's the idea to do one every month, and then at some point produce a studio album based on the best yeah. tracks I mean it would be lovely if um, they got enough plays because I really hope this is used in the future where I've got lots of plays but right now <laughs> you know when it's under a thousand and you can't see the number yeah I would like to, if they all got above a thousand I could see which ones are loved the most yeah okay got and, it. and yeah. then you can pick but some I think at this point I'll just pick what I like the most I think that that's sensible um, there will be some that are a bit more popular yeah. Um, which I'll probably, I mean, I will do for sure. Yeah. Um, but generally, I think I'll just do the ones I like. I mean, I haven't even thought past. Right now, I just and I want. I've just been writing so much yeah. music, especially yeah. in the lockdown, and yeah. I write so often. And it's and I'm recording weekly videos of these songs, and I do put out songs, but they're mm. not on Spotify. Mm. And I just thought it's a waste. Yeah. Because I could spend the rest of my. I've got two years of my twenties left. Yeah. <laughs> I could spend them not releasing anything, yeah. waiting for the right moment. Yeah. So I'm like, let's just. I'd like to do it for a year. Yeah. And um, you know, you say when you when you came onto my Spotify yeah. and you saw the film, yeah. you just think that's a strange album. Come <laughs> and then you realise it's not me. Um, I like that if I do this for a year, yeah. the discography yeah. on my uh, yeah. page will be vast. Yeah. And 
I mean, I'm only one month in, so yeah. it got to me three months crying and not being able to do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, I'm quite confident that I'll be able to do that for a year. Yeah. It's quite fun because I can't record in my van because power problems, it makes yeah. buzzing noises and whatever. I, I did it wrong. Yeah. I didn't do it. I can't record with my microphone in that van. Yeah. Um, so it means I have to, as well as book gigs, I have to find somewhere and talk to people and yeah. find someone that will allow me a, a room for a day. Yeah. Um, so it's quite an interactive thing, even yeah. though it's just me, it doesn't feel quite as lonely. Yeah. So I'm a, it, a little part of me is quite glad I can't do it yeah. in a van, because yeah. then that would just be a bleak. Yeah. Um, I think it's a great idea as well, and as, as somebody who is an independent sort of entity and self-produces, I think people are too concerned about putting out perfect, perfect content, or as perfect as they can make it. I think there's a real value in just putting out a lot of stuff, Yeah, you know, and being productive. And that's what, the, even the polished albums and tracks, they all yeah. start like that. Yeah. And if a song works as in a, a voice and a guitar, yeah. or a voice and a piano, if it can work like that, and people love it, then it will work produced. Yeah. You can't produce your way out of a bad song. Yeah, 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 yeah. So this is a good way, I guess, of seeing what people like yeah. and um, stretching that muscle. It's it's great to have that thing coming up every month. Like yeah. I've got to, I've got to do this, yeah. and um, having that pressure. Someone's giving me this room for six hours. Yeah. I, I can't dwell on takes. Yeah. I can do maybe four or five of each, and then yeah. I'll run out of time, yeah, yeah. and my voice will get tired. Yeah. And that, you know, so yeah, I'm very, ex- I'm really, really excited about it. And the first one so far has been received quite well. Great. Um, yeah. Good. Exciting project. Well, I think we're sort of slowly coming to the end. I'm sure your your brain and your throat is probably going to be quite pleased about that. This has become a therapy thing, and I'm just <laughs> going to come straight off this, and I'm going to message people, be like, "You've actually been Um But um, I always like to sort of come to an end, looking towards the future. So, um, what what's what does your next twelve months look like? What's the plan, and how can people can people come and see you play live? How how do they how do they find out about your stuff? So you some online spaces you could share as well. I'm going to be playing as many gigs as I can Excellent. for the next 12 months. Um, and and I'm how do people come and find out where you're playing? Instagram will be the main Instagram. source of that. Uh, I do put videos on YouTube, but I won't post like gig yeah. posts or whatever. If you're on my Instagram, which is Wild, just at k.t.wild. That's, that's at where... k.t.wild. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, if you search Wild, it comes up. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's where all the gigs will go up, and just expect lots more music, an EP Amazing. every month. So loads and yeah. loads of acoustic tracks, loads of videos of me performing in fun places, hopefully. Yeah. Um, on YouTube. On YouTube, so that's important. which so, is which at is, Katie Wild. So is that YouTube.com forward slash... Katie Wild. Katie Wild. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so lots of music, lots yeah. of gigs, and... I mean, and Spotify, of course. And yeah, Spotify, the, iTunes, the new, the new EP. Deezer, who uses Deezer anymore. It'll be the, on all of the above. the French do. Oh. There you go. <laughs> It'll be on all of the things. And, um, yeah, I'm just trying to to just share. Like, I think yeah. we all write stuff in yeah. and, and hold on to it. And we think that... Yeah. Um, I remember a college tutor actually taught me this. Yeah. And I think he's wrong, like really wrong. Um, he, I was writing a lot of songs when I was at college and he, would, he told me... Oh, make sure you record these and remember them because you'll you'll run out. Yeah. It was like you'll stop writing songs soon. When you're young, you can do it. And I'm like, 
That yeah, is that's such weird. bad advice. That's weird advice. So I think it's a bad call yeah. to hoard music. Yeah. Get it out, and yeah. if it's a great song, don't think I need to wait for it to be recorded magically yeah. because another great song will come. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I'm tangenting again. Yeah. I don't want to finish, but yeah, lots of EPs, lots of gigs. Amazing, and I think that's a really important thing for people to know is that. Um, you're a committed musician who's focused on production. I think from that perspective, people are only going to get benefit from coming and following you on Instagram and YouTube and, and wherever else you are on the internet. Um, so the way I like to finish things um, on the podcast is to ask you a couple of almost like quick-fire questions. But uh-uh. the first would be when you look back on your the musical journey, the musician's journey you've been on, yeah. what would you say is the hardest thing or the worst thing that you've had to overcome on your time? Uh, self-belief. Self-belief? Yeah, massively. That's the, the, the reoccurring theme as to why things don't go well or yeah. I struggle with music. What sort, of, what sort of journey have you been on with self-belief? Was, is it something that just held you back for so long and you really had to push through? I still go it? through waves, like I'm not yeah. through it. Yeah. Um, it probably won't ever go away. It yeah, probably yeah. always be there. Um, it depends what I'm doing. So I, I'm, because I spend so much time on my own yeah. now, yeah. it's a depressing podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I struggle with it now because you don't get that feedback. Yeah. When I was in London and doing lots of open mics and then eventually lots of gigs, yeah. um, I didn't struggle so much because I was constantly getting that feedback of real people. Yeah. And... Um, online, although I do get some really lovely comments and, and they mean a lot, a comment online is like, it just doesn't um, impact me. Like an actual person coming up to me at a gig and saying, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Like a, a gig in Penzance, there was, wasn't many people there, but a guy um, came up to shake my hand and he said, I really enjoyed that and good luck with it. And yeah. that, that keep me going for two weeks. Yeah. You know, um, so yeah, but when when I'm doing way more gigs, which is starting to happen, yeah. I'm starting to try and really book myself up. Um, yeah, I need that social interaction. Nice. When it's online, yeah. I really struggle. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, so conversely then, when you look back on your musical journey, mm-hmm. um, what has been your favorite part of your musical journey? What's been the most positive aspect of doing Two things. Right. I'm sorry, you're only allowed one. Okay. <laughs> you can have two. A Christmas gift from Bob, obviously. Yeah. That was such an amazing experience yeah. to, yeah. to go to a film set and see it, yeah. see how it works and to have my name on the credits of the cinema. Yeah. Um, that was just like a dream. That was yeah, yeah. absolutely amazing. Yeah. But the other, which I probably think is more important for my personal yeah. um, journey, was the first bit of work I got in entertainment mm. when I was an estate agent that led me to quit being an estate agent mm. um, was a man called Andy Pink, who lives here, who right. was Jarvis Cocker's sound engineer. Okay. And he took me on tour as an assistant. Ah, okay. As a sound engineer. Yeah. And that got me into Autograph, which was yeah. my ticket to moving to London, which yeah. was my ticket to everything that has come since. Yeah. So, um, Andy and Pink. Have you told Andy Pink that he had such an I impact haven't. on you? And when you when you said about this, yeah. he's the first man to come to my head. Yeah. And I'm and I'm while I'm in Bristol, I want to see him anyway while yeah. I'm here. Um, but him taking me out of that day job that's yeah. not in entertainment, giving me that first chance yeah. has um, you know, whether it's music or whatever, I was in entertainment then ever mm. since. I've mm. never left it and mm. I am wildly grateful to him. Amazing. Okay. And the last thing I always like to do is um, if you can imagine, if you will, a hypothetical scenario, 
that you could travel back in time to the start of your musical journey mm -hmm. and have 10 minutes with yourself, what piece of advice would you give a younger Katie Wilde? Sack off the day jobs. <laughs> Immediately. <laughs> yeah, just do it. Yeah. Like, if, you're gonna, if you want to do it, just do it. Yeah. But personally, I think going to do... If you want to be a pop musician, mm. I think... I can't speak for jazz or classical because I, yeah. just, I don't understand. If you want to be a pop musician... Is it, am I going to get told off? I think going to uni is pointless. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, I guess I won't be invited back to this college. <laughs> yeah. um, you won't be called back as no. a speaker, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but it just did nothing for me. Yeah. It does something for you to develop as a human and grow yeah. up, and it's like a step into the real world. But if you want to be a musician, mm. go and be a musician. Mm. There's nothing you can learn at university that you won't learn quicker in the real world. Mm. I learned more about tech when I worked at the West End company thing and got real world experience. Yeah. In six months of that, I learned more than three years at uni. Yeah. Um, and writing, working with other musicians and co-writing yeah. and doing gigs and seeing what works and what doesn't. Yeah. If, you're, if you're aware of that and you're watching for that, yeah. you'll quickly get better because it's embarrassing when it's yeah. bad. Um, and it's just... Don't dance around it. Yeah. I, I regret Get that. I regret that massively. If yeah. I think where I could be now, yeah. if I'd done that from 18, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. world apart. Great advice. <laughs> Katie Wilde, thank you so much. Thank, thank you for, for having time. me. It's been a great pleasure. It's I been think therapeutic. We both, we've, we've both been through, <laughs> been through the mill on this podcast, <laughs> yeah. but in a good way. And I uh, wish you all success. And um, you when you're massive, and I can, I can take little sound bites out of the <laughs> podcast. And go like, ones that will, ru ones that will on ruin me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> We can just like pick it all apart, or maybe when you're massive, you come back on the podcast and we'll, we'll compare and contrast. Or just join Van Tours and uh, oh, I'll well, see you on the road, I'm sure. Or when we're, we're both, you know, 55 and still living in Rams. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll look back on it. Thank you so much. Thanks for Good having luck me. Good Thank you. Thanks very much for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard and would like to help the podcast grow, don't forget you can go and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. You can share the podcast on social media or just simply send it to a friend and say, hey, thought you'd enjoy this conversation. If you'd like to know more about my guest today, Mr. Katie Wilde, feel free to head to katiewilde.com. He also has a great YouTube page and he's all over social media. Thanks again. I hope to see you on the next episode.